Good morning, Robbie. Good morning. How are you? Doing good. I had a rather specific agenda today. Uh, both in this is like a poem I wrote that summarizes a bunch of stuff uh, I feel like God's been trying to teach me. And yeah. uh, if you're comfortable with it, I would wanted to have the chance to process this with you and record it on the podcast. And if you're comfortable with that, that's fine. If at any point you decide that either you have something, a moment that you want to address, or we want to go deeper to something that we're not going to be able to share in the podcast, just let me know. Sure. sure. Great. So would you be willing to start by reading the poem I sent you? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> My daily practice is I read a devotional and I get a prompt from yeah. it and then I write a poem yeah. about it. And this one was about, right. you know, seeing God and peace and not being overwhelmed by the world. And so that came up with the phrase peaceful sea, uh, yeah. which is a pun on the, you know, it's written S-E-E, um, which is a pun on the word peaceful sea, S-E-A, and also uh -huh. allusion to the idea of, of the Holy Sea or an Episcopalian Sea. Which is actually uh -huh. sort of an abbreviation of seat, so it doesn't uh, directly relate to the idea of vision and seeing, but that was what makes a good pun. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not familiar enough with the Holy See to know uh, what you were referring to. It's just stirred my thoughts of Catholic Catholicism and the Pope, but uh, they were rather vague. Um, so I do have it in front of me now. So, uh, 521 poem, Peaceful Sea, uh, Dr. Ernie had tipped to the Holy See. If we want to set the world free, we must all learn the peaceful sea, in quotes. It's easier just to be blind to those sins that you and me bind, or else to use anger and hate to stop barbarians at the gate. Yet a world under Christ's sway requires we walk a third way between both denial and fear till every heart to him draws near the reason i don't choose this path is i'm still addicted to wrath to protect my identity from that which is broken in me and only when that ego dies can i finally realize the brokenness i hate in you is also a part of me too which is why we need the cross to show both our sins who is boss. And my privilege is to first die so you can see God's grace in I. For this, the truth I embrace, all I need is to see thy face. And everything that's meant to be will flow out of your peaceful sea. Thank you, Robbie. This is, is this possibly the first time you've publicly read a poem since elementary school? Um, outside of scripture, I can't think of any. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, thank you very much for indulging me in the podcast. It's a bit of an experiment, but put the link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah and now if you can go through your... It's very constructive. It, uh, it crosses things differently when we articulate them than when they're just in our mind. 
Yeah, no, that's good. And so you can go over your previous flow or any new feelings, likes, observes, and wonders you have. Um, yeah, well, at the moment that I received them, I was thinking about how we combat uh, larger societal evil. And so the I mentioned ambivalence as the first uh, thing because I, I like or as the feeling that um, it stirred in me. It was it kind of pulled me out of the line of thinking that I was in um, into what you and I have focused more on, which is the issue of um, how we relate personally where there's estrangement and uh, we uh, were contributing to that by, um, at least in my case, being defensive or um, maybe being angry um, without being willing to admit it or recognize it or able to. Um, anyway, that was the ambivalence uh, that I expressed as a feeling um, in terms of a like I like uh, just uh, uh, I'm thinking in general about the idea of awakening to truth um, from being enmeshed in lies, and uh, that has both societal and personal implications. I was thinking about the societal, but I like that um, that theme and direction. Um, I observe that this is focusing on the personal sin. Um, that we each deal with. Um, maybe I'd expand that too. It uh, as maybe assumes or suggests that all of us can or will um, become or are you know, open to and and will eventually become free from our personal sin. There's a phrase in the poem about until all... Uh, you know, come kind of to this revelation. And then uh, the wonder uh, is, is this the only way God calls us to overcome societal evil by uh, addressing the personal sin? Um, and uh, a question I would have, uh, well, I'll add since I was, anyway, that, that goes on, flows on from that. You uh, background is in India, and I think about William Carey fighting widow burning and uh, infanticide, and wonder uh, how this kind of dealing with personal evil in your mind relates to dealing with those kind of societal problems. So that's my uh, flow. Great. And you mentioned that was the flow you wrote down when you read it uh, to yourself earlier. Did you have any different? Uh, feelings or reactions when you read it out loud? Um, no, not particularly. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. So uh, I loved your question. Uh, let me just restate it. That is this the only way God wants us to overcome evil? Um, and I was thinking about that. I think it depends on how you define God and how you define overcome. Maybe how you define evil as well, but yeah. Maybe, maybe, but the, like those are the two words. So the word God, I'll get to momentarily. But let's start with uh -huh. the word overcome. Um, how do you define or use the word overcome? 
Um, I was actually uh, listening to Chris John this morning, and uh, this verse just jumped out at me. Um, Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Uh, last next to the last verse in uh, in the book. Did you read um, the like two or three ver- the, the 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 paragraph around that just last in context? Yeah, let me go back. Um, let's see. It actually, this is the first verse that caught me. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Uh, so the larger context, John, uh, at least what I capture out of this is focusing on how as God's children were to love one another and uh, how uh, central and important that is to loving God. And what's the, what's the passage again, just so I got the reference? Um, well, let's see, I'm not sure where I started, but the, it's uh, First John 5.19 is the verse that really caught my attention first. So thinking about right. the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Um, and yeah. we're children of God. And uh, we do have a victory to uh, win or to pursue. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let me take a moment and reflect, and then I will share my answer to your question. Yeah. Okay, I think for my purposes here, I will draw a technical distinction between overcome and uh, oppose. Uh Okay, this is somewhat an arbitrary distinction, but uh, the passage that comes to my mind is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. Right, and so, I would argue that God the Father often commands us to oppose evil um, because at any given place and time, given the resources available to us, we may not have the luxury of overcoming evil with good, and therefore we must oppose evil with lesser evils. And that God sometimes sanctions this. Uh, you know, Moses having the Levites kill their brothers and sisters who are not obeying God. Um, Elisha uh, anointing Jehu to destroy Jezebel. Uh-huh. Um, the, um, you know, and so there, uh, there's absolutely a place for Moses and the law and God commands us to enforce the law because if we don't enforce the law, society falls apart. Okay. And so I, I totally see 
that there is a divine mandate to uphold the law by opposing evil. And, uh-huh. um, but the, the thing I liked about this poem is there's a lot of yeah. if in it. It's like, okay, yeah. that is a useful thing for Moses uh, to uh, enforce the law. But uh-huh. that's not my goal, right? My right. goal, and I think, you know, John talks about, is to uh, bring the whole world under Christ's sway and draw uh-huh. all people closer to Jesus. Right. And so my thesis is that there is a difference between merely opposing evil according to the law and overcoming evil through grace, which is the path of Christ. Right. Okay. And so I would say that, you know, it is, it is true that God, uh, off, this is not the only way that God commands us to oppose evil, but right. this is what well, I believe, and I could be wrong, but at least this is my thesis, is that this, this is the only way that Christ invites us to overcome evil. And a, a, um, uh, another little subtle point there, uh, which may or may not matter to you, but you talk about the distinction between personal and societal evil. Uh, I don't draw a sharp distinction between the two. The more uh, fundamental category for me is cultural evil. And that cultural evil is these things that are in our, that is part of our human conditioning, right. we see, you know, in our, pers- our conditioning that we see and don't see certain things. And that is the problem I am most concerned about, which, you know, I, I, uh, it, you know it is a great thing that William Carey used the force of law uh, to oppose the evil of widow burden. But uh-huh. that did not in itself bring Hindus closer to Jesus. In fact, it, it, it probably saved some and alienated others because in those uh-huh. sense, William Carey and Christianity with British imperialism and colonialism and right. disrespect for culture. And it's not saying it's good or bad. It's saying that this is the best the law can do. Uh-huh. And that's not enough to draw people closer to Jesus. So not, that's not my every... answer to your right. It's not enough, right? It may... Uh, remove some barriers for some people, which is a useful thing, but that's the cost of creating barriers for others. And, you know, the law by itself, this is, you know, I think somewhat, it seems like it's thoroughly biblical, but I get into trouble for saying this. Like, the law by itself cannot save anyone. Uh Uh-huh. So anyway, that's my answer, and I want to give you a moment to reflect and respond. All right. Yeah, I'm. I I don't have a settled conclusion. Uh, it's just something I'm still processing. Do you have any feelings? Uh, not that I'm conscious of. I don't. Uh, okay. Feel frustrated or upset or. You know, yeah. Um, anything? Um, anything you're curious uh, about? Um. Well, 
uh, 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 let's see if I can turn it into a curiosity. So I have things I'm thinking of, thinking and thinking about. Um, I was reflecting just very briefly that uh, in earlier days, I, um, uh, well, let's see where to start. So uh, abortion has been a concern for a long time. Um, and uh, it has, I have at times reflected on without the personal transformation in Christ of a person's value system, um, we can't overcome abortion because we're, it's it's driven by the value system of the society. Uh, I, I, I am happy with societal rather than uh, no, what it, uh, you call it cultural evil rather than societal evil. Uh, uh, I, I can try and shift my uh, terms to that. I'm not sure that there's a significant distinction. The, 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 the distinction is that cultural is both personal and societal. So there is no way okay. to slice the two apart. That's the way I'm using it. Yeah, and that cultural strikes me as, as you said, it's uh, it's what's trained into us or what we're conditioned to or um, I think that's the word you use, condition. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and uh, part of what I'm reflecting on is that uh, we <laughs> we all know things you know, that aren't true, but we believe they're true. Um, and there are forces in, you know, it is, Satan is the liar and the father of lies, and uh, that contributes to that there are also forces of greed and evil that propagate um, lies that drive us to think good is evil and evil is good. And uh, so all of our cultures are twisted and distorted in unhealthy ways that we're blind to. Um, so I'm, I'm reflecting on the importance of seeing the things that go beyond the wrong motivations in me or the unrecognized motivations within me that we think of or that I think of as personal sins, but that are operating at a societal level to wreck havoc. I don't need to go further unless you have a question or thought about that. Yeah, I think I have a question, right? And that is, you know, your wonder was, is this the only way God uses to overcome evil? And I've tried to answer that. So I, the, the inverse question I have for you is, would you agree that this, this path I laid out is a way Christ uses, is at least a way that Christ uses to overcome evil? Um, so... I, let me see if I understand the path laid out in the poem. Uh, I think it's to see um, and draw closer to God uh, through Jesus and the cross in a way that releases me from the um, wrath of focusing on other people's sins. And uh, involves, I mean, transforms and changes my motivations and uh, 
I don't know. What would you add to that? Or how would you correct that? I think is that I think the well, this is kind of my follow up question: is which evil? It's probably tied to that, right? Is based uh-huh. on your understanding of the process, which evil is that process capable of overcoming? Um, because well, my claim in the poem, right, is that yeah. is that that by following this process, I I show both your sin and mine who is boss, which is a uh-huh. you know, uh, poetic construction, so the interpretation is obviously ambiguous, but that's the idea, is that this process, the claim, is that this process actually addresses not just my internal sin, but also the external sin, whether that's relational or societal or cultural. Uh, I'm claiming, the claim is that it addresses all of these. Um, okay. But you're welcome to, us, uh, uh, you know, agree for a subset. Yeah, well, I, you know, going back to the abortion issue and my early thoughts were that uh, I need to focus on drawing people to uh, an intimacy with Jesus where he convinces them about abortion rather than simply protesting it myself and uh, embattling people, you know, embattling the system that's uh, set up around that. Does that seem to, uh, do you see the relation I'm drawing? That would, that, that would be a fair conclusion. It's not the precise conclusion I would draw, but it's certainly a legitimate conclusion that I would approve of. Uh-huh. Is that different from what you're, I mean, I, I uh, so de- dealing with my personal sin as it hinders my personal relationships is, uh, I see a part of discipleship and following Jesus that is foundational for drawing others to also follow him. Um, because when mm-hmm. they see our love for one another in the world, uh, knows. Right. So I'm hearing a wonder from you. And I think your wonder is, is dealing with my personal sin sufficient for curing societal ills? Is that your question? Um, well, uh, I'm I'm not sure I have a clear question. Uh, I I hmm. so as I imagine, feel free to take a moment other, and reflect. Yeah. So if the question is, is, um, well, is seeing and following Jesus more clearly um, adequate to solve societal ills? Is that the way, is that a fair framing of? Well, that's uh, what I'm, I'm trying to understand what you're struggling with, right? Um, right. Well, it sounds like you'll I, accept that the, this path is a good way to deal with your personal sin, but it sounds like you're struggling with whether or not this will actually address the larger problems that you care deeply about. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I, uh, as I as I read your poem, 
I, I, I think my personal reaction was, I feel like I've already dealt with this, with what you're dealing with in the poem, at a level where um, I'm ready to focus on something else, something larger, in terms of understanding and uh, enlisting others in, to collaborate in addressing global issues, right? And which feels to me like a different, uh, a different thing. Um, but it, it seems to me a natural progression in following Jesus that he wants to deal first with the things that divide us in our marriages, in our teams, with our children. Um, and but not to end there, to also look at larger issues and uh, uh, lies and uh, corruption and other things that are uh, wrecking havoc. So right. I, guess I, I guess I see this as the foundation, the starting point, but not the ending point. Right. And so this is, I think, the... So let me give you my my framing on this. Yeah. And you, you may not think it's fair, but I, I'll, just, I'll share this as my framing, is that traditional Christianity for the last 1,700 years is something that a book I'm reading by Alan Hirsch, The Forgotten Ways, calls Christendom. Uh-huh. And the Christendom mentality, as he describes it, is, okay, the first step is to get people saved. Uh-huh. And then once they are saved, we know that they are Christians, and therefore they uh, have a close enough understanding of what is right and true and good. And the important thing is to enroll other people in that same shared understanding. And okay. this is what he's argues, and I can agree with, has been the dominant mode of expansionist Christianity over the last 1700 years or so since, you know, Constantine or whatever. Um, and what I hear you describing seems to fit that pattern. Like first we get ourselves right and then we can go and fix the problems out in the world. Is that a unfair characterization of your position? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not so much proposing that we should do things in that order but I'm trying to relate to your poem in that, that to me that um, I didn't I didn't sense a direct connection with solving the general problems of the world and I'm at least I'm not opposed to, uh, but I, it, 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 my sense was that your poem was saying let's focus on the, um, each taking responsibility for our sins before God and letting him deal with us on our sins and then uh, everything else gets taken care of. Right. And, uh, and so I think that, okay, sorry, I'll let you finish. And it, it, it isn't clear to me whether uh, that is, um, let's see, in, in, uh, consciously if you're consciously thinking that that addresses the larger picture 
of uh, dealing with cultural evil or not. All right. I will give you a, a brief response, and then I have to run off to church, so um, right. we will leave this hanging. But my point is that the claim in the poem uh-huh. is that this is the way to set the world free. Okay. Right? And, in, and explicitly, it is very different and, in fact, opposed to the view that the goal is to make the world behave. Uh-huh. Right. And like I said, there is value in making the world behave. I like the fact that I live in a neighborhood where people obey the law and respect private property and don't engage in physical violence. Like there's a place for that. But my claim is precisely that, you know, and again, I always feel really awkward saying it, even though it's very scriptural, the law only brings death. It does not bring people to true life in Christ. And what I'm saying is that because we have this desire for the world to behave, to feel safe and secure, uh, that the historic pattern of Christianity is first we get individuals free, and then we end up uh, turning to the law to save everybody else. And my claim is that the thing that I think, I think I have a line in the poem about this, which probably didn't make sense to you, which is why we could use that as a starting point for our next conversation, is I think I say something about demonstrate. Will uh-huh. you see Christ in me? Okay. And the idea is precisely that... Uh, bend over and pick up some poop and my headphones fell out. At least it did not fall yeah. out into the poop. That's happened at least once. <laughs> but not this yeah. time. Okay. Um, is that the belief is that if people truly see Christ, you know, not just superficially, but like fill up, you know, look, show us the Father, show us the heart of Father, show us what God is like, show us the face of God, help us to see him, is that when people see Christ, they are transformed into wanting what is good rather than um, being living in fear of the law, or uh, being trapped by their cultural conditioning. And the belief is that the only way the world becomes free is for every person to a greater or lesser extent, they become more or less free to the extent um, of either they see Christ and encounter him directly, or they see Christ in someone else, right? The people who I thought that William Carey was most successful in reaching were those when they saw William Carey's great compassion for the widows and the families devastated by this practice. And they realized that the God that William Carey served was actually greater than the one that they served. They voluntarily changed their allegiance to Christ, either directly and explicitly, or even indirectly. I mean, like, you know, I don't know if this is possible, but I I can't help but wonder whether, you know, because Gandhi is is a very difficult character for me philosophically, because he rejected Uh Christianity, but he loved Jesus uh, as a role model, maybe not as a personal relationship. 
And I can't help but wonder if there was some thread between William Carey and whatever cultural knowledge of Jesus that Gandhi assimilated that Uh was useful to him. And I don't know, but my point is that that if the goal is freedom and intimacy with God, then the only thing I know of that works is for people to actually encounter Jesus. And that specifically, when they see Jesus overcoming something in me that they thought was impossible, that's when people develop a desire and hunger for freedom. So anyway, that's the thesis. I kind of need to, to, to drop it there. Um, if you have any thoughts, um, happy well, to go there. Let me but... just mention, mention a couple of things we can explore later. Um, you ref, referenced the law, uh, talking about Moses and scripture, and the law abiding citizens of your neighborhood. And I'm not clear whether you're thinking of all law. Uh, I mean, that that's a, a scriptural law is the same when we say the law only brings death is the same as the laws that we set up, uh, how those relate. Uh, similar question or thought about, we talk about freedom. The scripture often is talking about freedom from sin. But people on a popular level are thinking about freedom um, from, you know, government interference or whatever else it would be. And uh, so those are two two terms, law and freedom, or free, that uh, be good to explore what meanings you're ascribing in what context. Um, I mean, the short answer, yeah, I think those are great questions to discuss because I think there is some complexity. And so I think I will forbear from giving you my simple definition and leave that as an right. open question for next time. All yeah. right. Yeah. Good. All right. Bless you. Thank Have you, Robbie. Really appreciate point. your time. Uh-huh. You. Bye. Bye.